Sucker Weekly, ESPN LA, 710. I am Dave Dunholm, and this is the home of world football in Southern California each and every week here on ESPN LA 710, a special Monday night version. We've done that now a couple of week, a couple of weeks, I should say, in a row. Glad to be with you. It is Derby Week, 12-mile Derby to be exact. LAFC and LA Galaxy are separated by only 12 miles down that 110 freeway, one of my favorite freeways in all of L.A. Now, in the standings, they're separated by 12 points in the Western Conference. Do you believe it? It's all building up to that 12-mile Derby Day Friday night. You'll hear it here on ESPN LA 710. I'll have the call. A massive game for football in Los Angeles. We've been waiting. Everybody's been champing at the bit all season long to get to this game. But that doesn't mean that's the only thing to talk about, certainly, between these two sides. Now, we will break that down, get it even uh, going a little bit deeper. But how are they gotten to this point? LAFC now on 46 points. They picked up their 14th win on Friday in Houston, resting several starters. You know, depth in MLS is important. We talk about it a lot. You have to be deep because the schedule can get weird sometimes. That game was only less than 48 hours, really more like 40 hours after LAFC suffered a bitter loss in the U.S. Open Cup at home at Bank of California Stadium to Portland, a 1-0 loss that knocked them out of the quarterfinals to the most sports-hateable team in all the world in Portland Timbers. My new sports hate list, I tweeted that out a few days ago, got a lot of backlash from Portland uh, Timbers fans. PTF. Oh, I hate the Timbers. Oh, I hate them. I put out my new sports hate list as a diehard sports fan. You know, I'm not just a soccer fan, as you all are well aware. But I got a lot of grief for it and a lot of fun with it. And I tweeted it out at Talk Soccer just a few days ago. My latest sports hate rankings. It was right after that game. I got to be honest. Number five, Chicago Bulls. If you know me for more than five minutes, you know that I'm from Cleveland. And I have a lot of love for my Cleveland sports team still. Number four, the Broncos. If you're a little older, you would understand that one probably. Number three, the Ravens. That's pretty easy, right? My number two most hated sports hate rankings team is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pitt puke, as we like to refer to it as. And number one, the Portland Timbers. And it ain't close. They are so easily sports-hateable. Well, the Timbers took care of LAFC in that quarterfinal. They move on with a nice win. Again, at the bank, that's very difficult to do. We know that. And a few hours later, really minutes later, LAFC were playing Houston with a lot of starters on the bench, getting some rest, not, know, not knowing how many minutes they may or may not play. Carlos Vela, in fact, didn't play in that game. But it was understandable. Everybody knew why. Dynamo or unbeaten at home. And LAFC were just hours away from losing that game. They had to rest up. It's the fifth game in 15 days. No, uh, There's no blame there. Everybody understood what Bob Bradley was doing. It was the smart play. Give some guys maybe who hadn't gotten a lot of minutes, give them a chance. And it started out as you may have expected, especially if you don't like LAFC. Houston Dynamo get an early goal. Right out of the gate. Third minute, Romel Kyoto. Houston was on the front foot. Pouring forward. Couldn't be stopped. 
But then, a massive play later in that half. i got to tell you, this is the first key to the game, and it might be the key to the season. I called this the most impressive win in MLS this year. And Mohamed Elmadir made a play that if you haven't seen the video of it, go to MLSsoccer.com, find it, trust me. You will not see a better defensive play just by hustle alone. That's it. Tyler Miller got stranded a bit off his line, got beat. Albert Elise was in on goal. Mohamed Elmuir hustled his legs off to get back and somehow kept that ball out of the back of the net 1v1. Because if, if Albert Elise scores, this game changes. It's 2-0 and LAFC likely lose. And the season changes on some level because of what happened after El Munir knocked that ball out of play and somehow kept it 1-0. Because at the dying seconds of the first half, Adama Diamande scored off a brilliant cross from Lee Wynn. And you would not believe it. If you saw Houston right after that goal, Houston was done after that goal somehow. They were yelling at each other about it. It was unbelievable. Now I know it was a, it was a gut punch, right? 45th plus two minutes. It was... The last kick, essentially, for LAFC. It was a header, but you get the point. Last touch. And it was a gut punch to the Dynamo, who had played so much better than LAFC throughout the first half. Most of it. And yet, they're going to the locker room 1-1 with a team who's now fired up. Even though, again, a lot of the starters were on the bench or weren't going to play at all. And yet, the group that was out there felt so good about themselves after that goal, and that was a crucial goal. Mohamed El-Munir's play, then the Diamande goal, and then just four minutes in the second half, win and Diamande do it again. I mean, I was in shock. i got to be honest with you. Not because I didn't you know, think LAFC could play with Houston, even with these, you know, a lineup that was going to rest some players. So what? I mean, the LAFC's deep. But just the way the game went, and to see what Houston just falling apart before my eyes. To a team that really just would not stop battling. Now, there's times when you win on talent alone, right? You're just so much better than your opposition. That wasn't the case in this game. And there are times when you just maybe have no business winning, and somehow you do. That wasn't the case in this game either. This was just get in, get stuck in, win the ball, put it in the back of the net, and win on guts and talent and grit, and blood and determination. And that's what LAFC did. And then Diogo Rossi had a nice deflected goal late. Josh Perez and Adama Diamande setting him up. Just a utterly brilliant performance by the LAFC. And Rossi came in as a second-half sub, so did Latif. He was right at the start of the second half and worked his tail off. And Rossi was so good on probably half-dead legs, because he's been playing a ton of minutes, and yet still ran ragged Houston. Coming in in the, you know, 55th minute, essentially. What a win. As they go into the 12-mile derby, riding high as they're going to take on LA Galaxy. Others call it El Trafico. And the Galaxy maybe had the worst loss in MLS this season. Now, I know there's been bigger score lines. Don't misread me. I understand it was, quote-unquote, only 3-1. But have you seen, did you see what happened to the Galaxy after scoring early in that game? 
it was similar. Houston got out to the early game, you know, the early lead. LA Galaxy got a second minute goal from Rolf Felter to grab a lead over San Jose. San Jose's been riding high, right? Road team in this game, been riding high, playing a lot better under Matias Almeida. Great coach. I mean, obviously, if you saw the game, you know what I'm talking about, but look at the stat line. You didn't even have to see the game. 32 to 5. San Jose outshot the Galaxy 16 to 1 in shots on goal. Radio pause here to let that sink in. 32 to 5. 16 to 1. The Earthquakes outshot them on goal and got the final three goals after the 60th minute, in fact. But if you heard people talk about that game, that game was done early, even though San Jose didn't break through till the 60th. Just an unbelievable performance. And now San Jose getting a lot of love, and rightfully so. It was a great performance, great effort. Were the Galaxy looking ahead? You might think so, maybe, but no, not really. They're now 12 points behind LAFC. This 12-mile derby, as I like to call it, I love that name, Elk Trafico or LA Classico, whatever you want to call it, this derby is always going to be big, no matter what going forward. It is a big game already, but this one, holy cow. Utterly massive, not only for the rivalry, but for the Western Conference and for MLS. If LAFC are to pull off a victory here, wow. Forget about it. They're cruising. If LA Galaxy get a victory, then all of a sudden, hmm, creeping in, maybe a little confidence comes back to the Galaxy. They do have seven wins at home. Not a great home record at seven and four, but they don't draw games, so at least when they go on the road, they picked up four wins. But is it two teams now, though, maybe going in a different direction? We're going to find out so much about this MLS season. We already know a lot. We're 20 games in for both teams. We are going to find out even more. This game is pivotal on so many levels. Hit me up on Twitter, at TalkSoccer. Your thoughts on that? Absolutely pivotal game for both teams going in different directions right now. But we know if MLS, if anything you know about MLS is that you don't know anything about MLS week in and week out, right? The one thing you know about what goes on in MLS is we nobody knows. Everything can change in an instant or in 90 minutes. Which is why I'm even looking more forward to that Friday game. You'll hear it right here on ESPN LA 710. By the way, we've got some stuff. Uh, let's just say we're going to be kind to you again. Let's just say you're going to want to, uh, you know, you're going to want to stay tuned. I'll just leave it at that. So much more to get to. We have got uh, black and gold breakdown coming up. We've got stoppage time later in the show. A lot of things to break down. Plus, CONCACAF has made a decision about World Cup qualifying that is very interesting, to say the least. Plenty to get to. I am Dave Denholm. You are listening to the home of world football here in Southern California. This is ESPNLA 710. Minor Figueroa on the near side. Figueroa thought about using Lumpus. Instead, goes right down the middle of the field with a good long ball. Elise is there, just outside of the 18. Elise gets around the with a touch. The ball's going to a goal. Saved off the line by Albuquerque. Diving save. He goes into the back netting with Elise right on him. It was nearly 2-0. What a defensive save from Mohamed Albuquerque. 
Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Dunholm. That was the call of Mohamed El-Munir's, really the play of the game that kept it at 1-0 Houston early, relatively early in that game. You heard it here on ESPN LA and ESPN app, and it changed everything. That may have changed the course of the season. Now, I'm not saying, of course, LAFC has been incredible all season long. But if LAFC continue on this role in MLS play, if they continue on their way towards the supporter shield, you can look back at key moments, right? There are key moments. Early in the year, Adama Diamande's late goal in the opener. Tone setter, no doubt. And then an immediately beating up Portland Timbers the next week. Tone setter. Recovering after games you lose with big wins. Those things all matter. This play matters. I'll remember this one as well. No, it's not a goal. The game ends up being 3-1 and looks a lot more like, oh, well, of course LAFC dominated. But if you didn't see the match, you wouldn't understand. That play was massive. And an awesome individual physical effort by Mohamed El Munir. As good as his 70-yard run to score was in the game against Sporting Kansas City, right? One of the better goals you're going to see from a defender, really from anybody all season. One of the great runs. This play was better. And that just shows you so many things about LAFC. We'll get to it right now on Black and Gold Breakdown. One, two, three, breakdown! It's the Black and Gold Breakdown. Breakdown. Break it down like this. Right now. And it's one of the things I wanted to mention on Black and Gold Breakdown. The El Munir play. Why? Because as I look at this team. Now last season, right? First year. We know all the storyline for the Black and Gold. Great first season. For expansion team, unreal. The signings, the meshing together, losing some players along the way that were key players that maybe just either didn't work out or other opportunity, whatever. Moving on from players quicker than other people might have thought. And yet 16-9-9. and Now they, they got beat in the playoffs. That was a tough loss at home. But for an expansion side, nothing but positives, long-term, big picture, right? Fans, everything, the stadium, organization, top to bottom, it worked. We all know this. If you hate LAFC, you would admit that. But there's something just a little different even about them this year. Now, you can say, well, of course, it's one more season. They know what they're doing. Well, there are differences. Attitude. Commitment. No, don't get me wrong. That was there since day one in the organization. Otherwise, I wouldn't have joined up with them. I'm not going to lie. It's been there. It's just on a different level. They've taken it up a notch, if that seems possible. And, you know, that can't be undersold. A guy like Mohamed El Munir, who hasn't gotten a lot of minutes, came over in a trade. Who knows what he was thinking? You don't know. You're coming in with a a lineup that's pretty much set. Jordan Harvey's been playing great at left back. You're a left back. You know you're going to get some minutes. You don't know how many. You're not guaranteed anything. And you you haven't been playing a ton. And yet you go out and make up ground like that and make that kind of physical play and your teammates, your fans, your organization recognizes it. Everybody sees that attitude and commitment. What are the differences, though, between last season and this? There are a few key on the field specifically, of course. That's really the most important. The keys are, to me... Carlos Vela. Now, that seems easy enough to say, but let's try to remember something. Carlos Vela was pretty spectacular last season. 
I mean, it's not as though Vela came in and was just like, well, he's learning the league, he's getting his feet wet, blah, blah, blah. He had a nice year. He was great last year. And when you get a guy that committed, with that attitude, as I said, to take it up several notches already, as talented a player as I've ever seen in MLS, physically, when you get a guy like that to even go up a few more notches, look out. And that's what you get. 19 goals, 12 assists, and 19 appearances. Yeah, you heard that right. That's a difference. That makes a difference. Some other differences I've seen, Eddie Segura and Walker Zimmerman. Now, I can't say just Eddie Segura, even though Zimmerman was there last year and played very well. You have to mention them both together. And I'll tell you why. Segura is dragging an awful lot more out of Walker Zimmerman than anybody else did playing next to him last season. Now, I'll name names. Fine. Laurent Simon. Nothing wrong with Laurent Simon. Fine signing. Good guy. The way he left was fine. Everybody, you know, really, it worked out. Not a big deal. It's soccer. It's world football. But I'm saying Eddie Segura is even getting more out of Walker Zimmerman. As good as Zimmerman was and is, right, we found an even better pairing for him in the, in the center of defense in Eddie Segura. A 22-year-old. So now you have a very good 22-year-old Colombian defender who comes in, doesn't know the league, and yet somehow fits in right away because he's a great player, making a great player even better and helping him too. Because Walker Zimmerman, clearly Eddie Segura needs Walker Zimmerman next to him and vice versa. Now, I'm not saying either one of them, they can, uh, yeah, they can play alone if they have to, of course. They're great players. They're making each other even better. That's a difference. We're not seeing the defensive breakdowns maybe we saw at times last year, overall. And another key difference between last season and this is not only the growth of Carlos Vela, I think Diego Rossi, yeah, you can put him in there too, but the growth of Eduard Atuesta. I love talking about this guy because I really believe, in my heart of hearts, Eduard Atuesta can play anywhere. Now, I don't mean anywhere on the pitch. He can't be a goaltender. Don't don't misread me. Probably wouldn't play him at forward. Although, you know, he can score. <laughs> no, my point, he can play with anybody. Any field, any team, any league, any time. And he's just taking those steps up you need to at this at this point in his career. Right? It's a cr- such a crucial point. 22 years old. Just getting, you know, moving from the Colombian League now into MLS, a new opportunity. How does he, you know handle a new situation. People are watching, teams are watching, and he's handled it like the true pro that he is, one of the best players I've seen come through MLS. And he's playing like it. Now that's not to take anything away from anybody else on this team. The joke is, around the league, kind of a funny joke, but it's serious, LAFC might as well just play the Atletico Madrid in the All-Star game, right? Because who would be out of place in the starting 11, if LAFC sent LAFC to go play the MLS All-Star game, there's nobody on this team that's out of place in it. Now, you can argue, of course, that, yeah, there's some forwards you might you'd certainly swap out, not might. And maybe the number nine spot isn't where it needs to be overall. 
But who would be out of place? Nobody. That's how well they've played. So I'm not taking anything away from anyone by only mentioning, quote-unquote, Carlos Vela or Edwin. But these are differences between last season, which was very good, and now, which is historical right now. It's a long way to go. And we know MLS. We know the craziness. Like, I mean, I love this league for the craziness in a lot of ways. I know they're at home, but a few a few nights ago, how does RSL beat Philadelphia 4-0? Or just the crazy results you see sometimes. You know, I know a lot of, you know, football diehards aren't used to that because so many of these other leagues are garbage in terms of the actual competition. People ask me all the time, a lot of these Euro snobs, by the way, who are not European, that don't, don't misread me here. European football fans appreciate MLS more than American soccer fans do on a lot of levels. Trust me. And I'm talking American soccer fans who, you know, somehow have found a way to hate MLS just because it's cool. European soccer fans appreciate MLS for what it is more than most American soccer fans. I'm talking the Euro snobs who put on the Chelsea jersey and go down to Santa Monica or wherever to watch a game on a team they don't know half the players and will never actually go and watch them. You know, live or have ever been. You know, it's a joke. You know who you are. That is where the difference comes in with what's going on now with this league. Why I love it so much. Because anything can happen. And that's why LAFC has to be careful, right? We're running away with this thing. If you're LAFC, you're looking at the standings. We're feeling good. They're saying, long way to go. But those are the differences I've seen. If you've noticed a difference between the 2018 LAFC and the 2019, whether you're a fan of them or not, hit me up on Twitter. Let me know. We can continue the conversation you know, throughout the week as we move on from the show here on ESPN LA 710. You can hit me on Twitter at Talk Soccer. Don't forget, you can always podcast the show. You can always, uh, you know, follow it there, social media. I always send links out at Talk Soccer. But you can, you know, podcast the show if you miss anything, any of the interviews we ever do, whatever, at uh, you know iTunes or at the ESPN Pod Center. Search for Soccer Weekly. Subscribe, rate, and review. You know what I love about Twitter, though? It's so funny. You can just get people so riled up. It's fun. You know, as long as everybody takes it tongue-in-cheek, sometimes has some fun with it, you hope that's how people respond. Earlier in the day, I... Uh, Saw a lineup. ESPN FC sent out a tweet about what the potential Barcelona lineup is for this season. Oh boy, it looks good. Yikes. As usual, but I mean, they are loaded. And all I did was I retweeted it because I wanted to give ESPN FC and that story a little bit of love and what, you know, talking about Barcelona. And all I did was I retweeted it and said, I'll take LAFC. <laughs> and you would have thought I ran over somebody's puppy with the reaction. It's just so much fun. Look, nobody knows if you're really joking on Twitter sometimes unless you put some, you know, winking emoji up there or something. So I understand. You know, I'm not mad about it. I just think it's funny, the reaction sometimes. You know, we're just having fun. And it's good. It's good, though. You know what I love? It shows you that the sports hate is strong for LAFC, too. There's nothing wrong with that. You know why Portland Timbers ought to be... uh 
Kind of flattered that I sports hate them more than any other team. I hate to admit it, but it kind of means at the very least you're pretty good. Nobody sports hates the worst team in all of sports. Or the worst team in your league. Nobody, nobody hates these teams. I mean, unless there's some personal agenda or weird thing. Nobody's piling on FC Cincinnati. <laughs> I mean, because they're struggling. You don't hate the bad teams. One of the reasons you sports hate a team is they're pretty good. And the sports hate for LAFC is strong. Hit me up on Twitter, at TalkSoccer. We roll on. we got so much more, including... Yeah, I got a little giveaway. Got a little giveaway. All I'm saying is stay tuned right here. This is Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. Oh, plenty to talk about. Hit me up on Twitter, at TalkSoccer. What are the differences for LAFC between 2018 and 2019? And you, you know, be specific. Feel free. I talked about that last segment. If you miss anything, again, you can uh, podcast the show on ESPN Pod Center or iTunes, wherever at talk, you know, at Talk Soccer's on Twitter. I, I tweet out the link to that. But you can hit us up. Just search for uh, sub- Soccer Weekly. Subscribe, rate, and review. We appreciate that. Hey, we have a giveaway to go, go to right now. You can uh, win tickets here a lot, right? For certain things, certain big events. Well, this one's pretty cool. Don't miss the International Champions Cup. Dignity Health Sports Park this Wednesday, just a couple days away as I do this show each and every uh, week. This time it's a Monday. So this Wednesday, July 17th, Arsenal, Bayern Munich, 8 p.m. at Dignity Health Sports Park. Right now, we don't want to give away one pair of tickets, not two, not three, not four. The first five people to call up right now at 877-710-ESPN, 877-710-3776 are going to win a pair of tickets to the game, each of you. First five winners right now, 877-710-ESPN. The phones are jamming up. 877-710-3776. Visit Ticketmaster.com to purchase your game tickets today. Again, that's coming up on Wednesday at Dignity Health Sports Park, 8 p.m. Arsenal and Bayern Munich. I love Unai Emery. You know that. I love Nico Kovac. I love both of these coaches in this match. And we're going to get five winners. Again, 877-710-ESPN. ESPN. That's not the last of the giveaways today, just to let you know. I'm not saying, I'm just saying. What a dramatic, and I teased this right before the break, what a dramatic change CONCACAF is going through now with their World Cup qualifying. Have you seen this story? You might have heard a little bit about it. I'm going to try to break it down for you. I'm just going to go right, I went right to CONCACAF's website to make sure I get this right. And I'm going to read from their press release because it it is dramatically different. Now, if you know CONCACAF along the years, right? L3, U.S., we all do. We've all been watching these World Cup qualifiers over these four-year cycles. What happens is a lot of times you play these early matches, these home and away to kind of move on. And then you get to the final six in CONCACAF. After, you know, a lot of group, you know, a lot of group this, a couple of, uh, like I said, a couple of early rounds where it's a home and away. You try to, uh, you know, kind of weed out maybe the smaller countries along the way. No disrespect to them, but there's a lot of nations in CONCACAF, as we all know, 35 of them that are able to play for the FIFA spots for the World Cup. So there's a lot of weeding out. You know, the United States playing Turks and Caicos. Turks and Caicos doesn't have much of a shot in a two-leg tie. Mexico playing, you know, some the Bahamas or Bermuda. It's really not the right level, if you will, or it's just kind of a not a waste of time, but you get it. It doesn't really help either country. 
in a lot of ways, in terms of improving for the future, right? And at first glance, this new idea about CONCACAF, I was shocked. Well, let me get into it. So for the 2022 World Cup, CONCACAF has that last six, right? The hexagonal, where it's home and away, 10 games. They're going to take the FIFA rankings after the FIFA window of June 2020, and the top six go right into it to play for the three full spots that CONCACAF gets. So if you're one of the six best in CONCACAF on June 2020, less than a year from now, in the FIFA rankings, you are into the final round, the round robin, the home and away. That's it. Now you would think, well, wait a minute, are you eliminating everybody else? No. And this is the interesting part, too. The second part of the qualifiers, according to CONCACAF.com, the, uh, the official release here on this, they're going to be uh, across a group stage and a knockout phase for the teams ranked 7th through 35th. So the rest of the teams, right, in the FIFA window, twenty-nine. those 29 members are going to be divided into eight groups, five groups of four, three groups of three. After home and away rounds, the first-place finishers in each of those eight are going to qualify for this knockout stage. So then they're going to have a quarterfinal, like the final eight, kind of a mini-tournament, home and away. And during those match windows that are like early 2021 all the way to like September 2021. Love this. And the winner of that knockout phase is going to take on the fourth-place finisher, the Hex. Now it's getting a little confusing, right? Home and away. And the winner of that will get that half bid where they'll still have to go beat someone else that FIFA determines. You know what I mean? Like, well, we get three and a half spots. Fascinating. I know it seems a little convoluted, but once you really kind of wrap your head around, it took me a while. I actually studied it for a little bit just to make sure I knew what was going on here. Love it. I don't like it. I love this idea. Now, you might ask why, Denholm. This, it seems like you should have to earn it, and these top six teams are just being put in. First of all, it makes games outside of World Cup qualifying more important, right? You want to you improve your FIFA ranking. By the way, I've always said the FIFA rankings have gotten much better the last eh, five to six years. Now, they're not perfect, no, by no means. There are going to be some discrepancies that you feel... Sometimes it's because of your bias, your predetermined bias, and sometimes it's just that you're right, that the rankings maybe are a little off. But they've gotten way better the last five, six years. And what it does is it actually gives more hope to a lot of CONCACAF teams. They play more important games along the way now. Instead of the poor Turks and Caicos playing and getting a bad draw, playing the United States in a home and away and losing 5-1 and and 4-0... And then they're done. Their dream of the World Cup is done. This gives these teams a better opportunity to maybe sneak into the World Cup. Now, I know that seems... uh, But like a team like Curaçao, getting better and better. Now, a bad example. I don't even think they can actually qualify for the World. I don't know if they're one of the teams. There's a few in uh, in CONCACAF. Maybe, Maybe I'm thinking of Martinique. But you get my point. There's teams that are on the rise... A, they can get into the top six of the rankings and get into the hexagonal that way. Or B, they got a shot now still playing against competition that's more on their level, which will only make everybody better. I love this idea. I don't know who came up with it. Brilliant. 
absolutely love it. It makes games outside of World Cup qualifying all the more important, as I said. So it just raises the level. That's what everybody's been trying to do with these Nations Leagues, CONCACAF, UEFA, everybody. I love it. More important games matter. And it makes soccer better all the way around. I Maybe I'm missing... And I genuinely, I, I'm genuinely open to think about it. Maybe I'm missing something that makes this a terrible idea. That could be possible. Maybe I'm missing something. I, I'm open to that idea. Hit me up on Twitter. If you have an idea for this or you're saying, wait a minute, at home, why don't you see it this way and you're way wrong, I'm fine with that. I could be convinced otherwise because it's still such a fresh and new idea that you never know. Maybe I'm missing something or maybe I just haven't thought everything through. I love it. Hit me up on Twitter, at TalkSoccer. If you have an idea that, hey, Dunholm, you're missing this. This is actually a bad idea. Or here's what you're missing. and here's, I'm open to listen to that. But otherwise, this is a magnificent idea. We criticize all these governing bodies a lot, and they deserve a lot of criticism often. FIFA, UEFA, CONCACAF, Call Me Ball. We're always quick to criticize. Sometimes you got to praise. And these, you know, FIFA... They're making better and better decisions all the time. Not every one of them's great. But I think that you have to praise when it's due. And I believe this is a fantastic idea for every nation in CONCACAF. For the most, I think it's even the most fair way to go about it. Again, hit me up on Twitter at TalkSoccer. Still another giveaway. We've got the winners from the other one. But you're not done yet. Oh, can't wait. And stoppage time. All of that still to come. I am Dave Dunholm. This is Soccer Weekly in the home of world football in Southern California. The home of LAFC. ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Dunholm. We are hanging out with you each and every week here. A Monday edition on ESPN LA. Time now for our LA Care Injury Report. And uh, obviously this is a big week for with the 12-mile derby. El Trafico, L.A. Classico. At L.A. Care, our mission has always been to provide quality, affordable health care coverage to all Angelinos. For more information, visit LACare.org today. L.A. Care for all of L.A. Injury report, first for LAFC. You've got a couple of uh, players still questionable. Alejandro Guido and Danilo Silva, who's missed out of the last few games. Questionable there. He's got a left hamstring strain. For L.A. Galaxy, Chris Pontius and Sebastian Legette still officially listed as questionable with their hamstring and pelvis injuries. Of course, the longer-term injuries, guys who are out and going to miss this game, unfortunately, Javi Perez and Roman Alessandrini. That is your L.A. Care injury report. Got a giveaway. You want to win tickets to the League's Cup game? You don't want to miss it. Major League Soccer facing off against Liga MX East. L.A. Galaxy and Club Tijuana. At Dignity Health Sports Park, Tuesday, July 23rd at 8 p.m. Right now, we're looking for caller number seven. We got one pair of four-pack, I should say, of tickets. One winner is going to get a four-pack of tickets to that match. L.A. Galaxy taking on Club Tijuana at Dignity Health Sports Park on Tuesday, July 23rd at 8 p.m. At 877-710-ESPN. 877-710-3776. If you are caller number seven, you're going to win a four-pack of tickets to that match. 877-710-ESPN. ESPN. Get your tickets now at LAGalaxy.com. So we got that giveaway going on right now. Thank you for everybody calling in. Keep them coming. 877-710-ESPN. Time now for everybody's favorite segment. It is stoppage time. What time is it? It's stoppage time. Yeah. Stoppage time. Yeah. It's stoppage time. Right now. The great Mario Rees is the 
producer of the show, the producer of LAFC football here on ESPN LA, and he's the host of Stoppage Time. Hello, Mario. Dave, my man, how goes it, my man? Good, brother. What's going down this week? I got a, uh, a quick heads up here. Quick heads yeah. up here. Uh, just two months after Mexico defeated the U.S. men's national team in the 2019 Gold Cup final, the U.S. Soccer Federation has announced today that they're going to meet again in a friendly at MetLife Stadium in New Jersey. Uh, the match is set for September 6th. Okay. I know we got a lot of L Tree fans out there, a lot of U.S. men's national team fans out there, so just letting you guys know. Good. Well, it's never a bad thing when those two teams play. You can call it a friendly all you want. But this is one of the best and bitterest rivalries in all of world football. So anytime they meet Eltree and the U.S., I'm in. I love it. Uh, Jeff Carlisle over at ESPN.com wrote up something that I thought was interesting, this stat. The United States, Mario, was really the, you know, let's face it, it wasn't much of a rivalry early on because Mexico just destroyed us every time, you know. But... Get this, since the turn of the century, mm-hmm. the United States is 14-7-6 against Mexico. Wow, what a yeah. big turnaround. That is a massive I didn't turnaround. realize. And it is one of the reasons why this is the best rivalry, or one of the best rivalries in all of world football. So, yeah, I'm all in anytime. September 6th, I look forward to it. Let's go. Dave, looks like the LA Galaxy are going to create a safe standing supporter section at Dignity Health Sports Park. Hmm. Now, this sounds uh, kind of familiar here. Just uh, just two years after, or not even two years, just about a year and a half after LAFC opened up their stadium and they have the same type of section over there in 3252. Yes, yes. Well, look, here's my take on it. And I know that the uh, fans. For, you know, LA Galaxy, like their diehard fans, have been trying to do this for a while, right? So full credit to LA Galaxy for realizing this is what the fans want and they're going to try to do it right. And I love it. I'm all for it, Mario. We've seen it succeed with other teams. We've certainly succeeded, seen it succeed with the 3252. So anything to add more atmosphere at Dignity Health Sports Park, why not? If it gives them a whole, why wouldn't they do it, really? If you can do it safely, because the stadium's already been around for a while. You know, you have to make some changes, certainly. It's going to cost some money. Going to have to have, have to have some renovations. But if you're Chris Klein in the Galaxy, why wouldn't you do it? After seeing all the success that LAFC have had with the 3252. Yeah, I, mean, I love it as well. And I see a lot of new uh, soccer stadiums doing the same exact thing, which is sure. great. Yeah, I mean, as long as you can maintain the safety, which is obviously paramount, that's the most important thing, and you do it right in terms of the reconstruction and the, you know, and the uh, the redoing of the stadium slightly or whatever they have to do to make sure the safe standing seats, the key word there being safe, and then I'm all for it. I think the uh, Gal- uh, you know Angel City Brigade, it looks like, it, according to a press release that LA Galaxy sent out to us, uh, it's going to be part of the safe standing for the Angel City Brigade and the Galaxians, which is on the other side of the stadium, as you might, if you know like anything about the Riot Squad, where they're at at the same, it's kind of the other side of the stadium. I think it's a great idea. I think it's it's, it's really perfect for that stadium, and why not? It, it will only benefit the fans and the atmosphere at that. I cannot wait for this, uh, Mario. I cannot wait for this. Uh, what do you call this game? What is your I like El Trafico. I like El Trafico. Yeah, I think that's a I think that's a clever name. I think it describes it perfectly. I know there's a lot of names out there, but I, I like that one. That's my favorite. real quick, Mario. Why do you think both teams have distanced themselves from that name? What is the what's the problem with you know what I mean? Like it seems like both teams have kind of gone away from that. For some, right. Is it because they didn't come up with it? I don't. I don't understand that quite. But uh, I think they're just leave, leaving it up to the fans, you know. And I know the fans came up with that, so just let them own it, you know. Well, I would think so. Yeah. I mean, I love it. Uh, don't get me wrong. I mean, 
I kind of refer to it as the 12-mile derby myself. I just like to kind of, only reason I do that is to kind of remind everybody that they're the closest two stadiums in MLS, right? They're the, right. They're the, the closest two teams together play in L.A., and now they're, you know, battling for the top of the Western Conference, essentially. So it is going to be awesome. Mario, great stuff. Thank you, Dave. I am Dave Denholm. This is Soccer Weekly on the home of world football, ESPN LA 710. Let's get it.